0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings And listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city To encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible have met before. My name's Ryan. So glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, I know Megan's already said hi to you, but we're so glad that you've had the opportunity to join us online today and taking the time. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to jump into uh, two different kind of passages, three verses from Philippians 4. That's why Danielle's going to help me for a minute or two. And then we're going to go to Mark 5. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Just looking across the room. So good to see so many beautiful faces. Come on. I know Stephen said it last week uh, to, about to give you a compliment, but I'm going to also get add to that compliment. So it's just so good to see human beings in the room. Makes all the difference. Uh, cameras, cameras are nice, but you look better than a camera. If that's the confidence boost you need, well, you got it, you got it at church. Go and tell a friend. We're going to go Philippians 4, 3 verses, 4 verse 4. Uh, Paul writing to the church of Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice Before we jump into Mark chapter 5, we're going to go there in a minute, read some 20 verses together. Uh, we, in, in UT Belfast, we we seek to be a come as you are culture, which means that it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your age, stage or anything else, but actually you just come as you are. Now we trust that God won't allow you to leave the same way that you came in, but that's not, that's not the... That's not the catch or anything like that. You just come as you are and we believe that God will make the difference. Now I say that because it's important that every person in a room has the license to be human. When I was at 20 years old, I, I was in Bible college, enjoying life, trying to work out how to get some money to propose to my girlfriend, Laura, at the time, trying to just enjoy my life, had great friends. Uh, now, I mean, Man United weren't going well, but everything else was going well, everything, life was good. I remember this one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I couldn't breathe. Uh, I don't want to exaggerate I'd never been in church, or church. I'd always been in church. I'd never been in hospital uh, before, other than one time I broke my wrist, I broke my, my foot, like my ankle. Um, but it wasn't an environment that I was often in, so it, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit serious for me. I'd woke up, I wasn't sure what was going on. It was the middle of the night, key phrase, middle of the night. Couldn't breathe. And so I, I kind of crawled, stumbled my way into my parents' room, told my mom, you need a, it's through broken words, you need a phone an ambulance, I can't breathe. Now she knew that there was no joke here. A, it was the middle of the night, and B, I'd never even been in an ambulance, so to be suggesting such a preposterous thing to her was like, all right, ambulance came, paramedics did some checks, said, all right, we're going to take you to hospital. I said, all right, let's go. I'm glad you're taking me to hospital because 30 seconds ago I couldn't breathe, so let's, let's get it. I went to the hospital a couple more times that night as I kind of waited on the bed in a chair. And then also then when I got into, uh, got a bed, I'd also had the same experience, couldn't breathe, began to panic. I was like, what is going on? What's wrong with me? Now bear in mind that there was nothing external in my life that would cause this drama. I was sleeping as far as I was aware, sound asleep, happy as Larry. And then out of nowhere came this incredible crisis for me couple of weeks later, uh, later on that afternoon, got discharged and they brought no clarity to what it was. A couple of weeks later, I had a follow up appointment with my GP who uh, began to ask me some questions. Asked me a question that went along the lines of this uh, Have you ever had a panic attack? To which I looked back at this very nice lady, then looked behind me to see to make sure that she was talking to me. Absolutely not. Don't know what you're talking about. At twenty years old, I've nothing to panic about, miss. I'm all good. Are you are you kidding right now? Couldn't be couldn't be that. Has to be something more important. Come on, give me something a little bit more significant. Come on, give me give me something that I can wear as like a oh, badge of honor. You know, this is what happened to me in the middle of the night. No, no, you had a panic attack. What? What would cause that? Don't know what's going on in your life. Nothing. Didn't make any sense. But often fear. Panic. Moments of anxiousness, crisis moments. They don't make any sense, do they? We can't really articulate why we feel the way we feel. But here, these verses in the Bible somehow say to us today that we're not to be anxious about anything. How can I not be anxious about anything when I didn't even know I was anxious about something? I was sleeping, Lord. How am I supposed to not be anxious about that? But yet the Bible has something to say to us today about our moments of anxiousness. And in fact, our, what I would like to phrase it as today, are middle of the night moments. See, they may be eight years old, but I know some people who are afraid of the dark. Maybe you do too. Let's do a show of hands, not really. How many people do you know are afraid of the day? Didn't think so. Because the night is a totally different proposition. We all have our middle of the night moments. We all have moments where our own personal crisis comes into play, where chaos, crisis, fear, panic, moments of anxiousness invade. And we're not sure whether we're gonna get to the other side of it. Every single person in this room has those moments. And maybe you're in one right now, or maybe you'll be one in the future. Well, I believe that the Bible has something to say to us today about this. As a matter of fact, we're gonna hear of two people in Mark chapter five, who were in their middle of the night moments Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. We're going to read it together. It's going to be on the screen for you to follow it. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him whilst he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told them the whole truth. Another translation says, told her whole story. He said Their daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Whilst Jesus was speak, still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader said, your daughter is dead, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, they saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? child's not dead but asleep so they laughed at him after he put them all out he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him went in where the child was took her by the hand and said to her Talitha kum which means little girl I say to you get up immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around she was 12 years old at this they were completely astonished he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat Thanks, Danielle. You can take a four-minute break and we'll be straight back in to worship. You'd be happy to hear. Just kidding, not four minutes. Maybe like an hour and four minutes. Is that all right? Nope. Okay, all right. Plain hard to get. Normal day comes around for Jesus. The Bible says, uh, uses, even uses the word again. Jesus again crossed to the other side. For him, it was just a, it was another day, another day of teaching, another day of ministering, another day of delivering, another day of of uh, disciples being made, another day of miracles happening. For Jesus, it was another day. But for two people that we read of in this account, that we understand that are in this moment, it was it was not just another day. They were in their middle of the night moment for two people. First person being a man named Jairus, the second person being an unnamed woman. For those two people, it was not just An ordinary day. In fact, it was quite a significant day. The first person we understand at play in this account is a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader. Perhaps the easiest way for you and I to understand that this today, not in the same way, but it's like a pastor. He he was leading a synagogue where Jews went to worship. It was that type of equivalent. A man who obviously, to be a synagogue leader, would have had to keep the law. Would have been an upstanding man. Would have been a reputable man who clearly had a family. The second person. We quickly understand that play in this account. Unlike Jairus, is a woman. Not just a woman, but an unnamed woman. The, the moments don't even give her the, the credibility of a name. She's just a woman. Now Jairus is a synagogue leader. You hear his name and his occupation. Meanwhile, there's a woman. Two people at play, a nameless woman with a physical problem, an issue of blood, and she's been suffering for 12 years. One of those people walked right up to Jesus. Another person crawled right up to Jesus from behind. See, two people are at play. Two people that on surface level are not connected in any way, shape or form. But when we look under the surface, they absolutely are connected. Two people, as a matter of fact, in, in, in practice, here as we read it, couldn't be more opposite. One man, synagogue leader, let's call him Pastor Jairus for a second. He uh, upstanding, reputable, has a family, keeps the law, is able to walk right up to Jesus, has people who are part of his household, all of those things. Another one on the opposite, opposite end of the scale. No name, nameless, broken, now has no money. The Bible said she, she has nothing left. Very, very minimal socioeconomic status. It's totally off the scale. On surface level, these two people are not connected in any way, shape, or form. But when we look under the surface, we see a deeper connection. They're in the same place at the same time in a crisis, in their middle of the night moment Totally desperate for a touch from the man they call Jesus. Two people from very opposite ends of the scale, but both with problems that neither of them can solve on their own. Both of them, both needing a touch from Jesus desperately in their lives. Two people full of fear, uncertainty, anxious about their futures a dad thinking about the prospect of losing his daughter and a woman considering the prospect of losing her life see on a surface they're not connected but life itself has connected them their circumstance has connected them their middle of the night moment has connected them very different people yet in the very same position in need in desperate need of Jesus a man who's kept the law who's now a synagogue leader who's who's reputable in society and a woman who quite frankly is not yet both of them get to Jesus see the very interesting thing about Jesus is that he doesn't have a vip queue he doesn't show bias to either of these people one person who could definitely point towards some aspects of their life and show their righteousness based upon themselves and another person who's went everywhere else to solve her problems but yet Jesus doesn't say yeah I'll deal with you right now excuse me get to the back of the line but actually as a matter of fact he deals with both of these people in the very same way he sees them as they are and I believe that today if you are in your middle of the night moment that Jesus isn't telling you to get to the back of the queue that you don't have to get yourself straight before you can get to him, that you don't have to maybe sort out some of your own things before you take the bigger things to Jesus. But as a matter of fact, you can either crawl right up behind him or you can walk right up to him. He's gonna treat you the same. Regardless of whether you have a swagger in your step or you're struggling with your steps, Jesus is approachable. See, I'm going to preach this slightly differently today and not go through points in the same way that I w- usually would. But if you are going to write some stuff down, I want you to write this down. It feels very simple, but it's very easily forgotten. Your circumstance may lead you to chaos, fear, and panic, but it can connect you to Christ. I'm not saying your circumstance is all fine and dandy when you've got Jesus. Your circumstance might lead you to fear, chaos, and panic, but it can lead you to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. See, Joseph talking to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God can use the poor intention of people, circumstance, and the devil to bring about his purposes in your life. As a matter of fact, the reason why you might be sitting here is because God used the poor intentions of people, circumstance, and the devil to bring about his purposes in your life. See, here's two people going through a process in order to get to Jesus and get what it is that they need. On for a moment, this morning, this afternoon, almost, I want us to step into the shoes or sandals of Jairus. I want us to consider how he would feel. Here is this man who has kept the law, a synagogue leader reputable in society, who is now helpless. How he's kept the law is not gonna help him, but the teacher the teacher, this person they call Jesus can do something about his daughter who is dying. Can you imagine the desperation that this man would have? He goes to Jesus. And can you imagine the beginning of that conversation? Do you ever get it when you're trying to ask somebody for a favor and you're trying to make it sound like it would be favorable to them to do you a favor? They're like, come on, it's only around the corner. Like, it's just here. It's on your way anyway. But times 100,000 desperation. Can you imagine that? No, no, Jesus, my daughter is dying. We're just this way. It's on, You're probably heading that way anyway. She's literally, I'm not sure how long she has left to live, but also can, he remember that Jairus is a synagogue leader, so he has that little bit of pastoral kind of nature to him. He's probably saying to Jairus, like, or saying to Jesus, like, Jesus, you're, I know, you, I know you, you're a wee bit slow there. Please, please, like she's, she's dying, but I mean, don't hurt your feet. Obviously, take your time, but hurry up. You know, one of those, he's, in all his pastoral sensitivity, he's trying his best to hurry Jesus up because he has a desperate situation at play. yet at the same time, be sensitive to the fact that Jesus doesn't have to do this. He's actually helping him. So Jesus, please, could you, please, maybe on your way, think about, please, come on, please, it's just here. It's on your Can you imagine for a moment the desperation? This is a man who has the prospect of losing his daughter. She's going to die. Some of us in the room will catch that more than others, but can you, can you begin to understand the, the sense of desperation that this man would have? His daughter's going to die. Then all of a sudden, Jesus is on the way. Hope begins to flood his heart, and then Jesus stops. He stops. You no, know, like, Jesus, you don't understand. Like, my daughter's actually dying. Do you mind? Like. I really need you to not stop in this moment. And then he asked the most stupendous question that you could possibly ask. And the disciples vouch for me there. Who touched my clothes? Who touched your clothes, Jesus? Everybody is crowding around you. Everybody touched your clothes. Any chance? Come on. No, 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 no. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? I felt power leave me. Somebody touched me. Now, let's place that there for a second and imagine Jairus. Who touched his clothes? Who touched your clothes? My daughter is dying. Never mind your clothes. They're not that fancy. My daughter is dying. Can you please? Jairus isn't given a mention, but he's there. No doubt, utterly desperate for Jesus to get to where he needs him to be. Jesus consistently and persistent is persistent with his question, who, who touched my clothes? Eventually, the Bible says that the woman came forward realizing what had happened because she had been healed and her, the, immediately the blood had stopped and she came forward. The Bible says this unbelievable kind of phrase that she had told her whole story. One version says, he actually took the time to listen to this woman. Meanwhile, Jairus is over here. Never mind, we'll come back to that. Jesus is over here taking the time to listen. Told her whole story. Jesus stood listening. Other people's stuff going on around them and Jesus intently listening to this woman's story. Obviously, cares a whole lot. I wonder how Jairus feels in this moment. As he watches that woman get her breakthrough, meanwhile, he's begging for his. You know, God does that sometimes. He makes you watch somebody else's miracle. He makes you watch somebody else's breakthrough. He makes you watch somebody else's prayer being answered, not in order to discourage you, but in order to encourage you. Why? Well, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. Jairus meanwhile is stood there waiting. People from the house of Jairus come to him. They say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. He's just watched Jesus, who was on his way, now sit and listen to this woman's story, heal her, and he's waiting. My Bible says that Jesus overheard, and so he said, don't be afraid, just believe. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to not be afraid and just believe when something impossible's just happened, when you've just heard that news, when that circumstance has just come about when everything feels bleak, when you're in your middle of the night moment, when you feel like the walls are closing in to not be afraid, just believe, right? It's not that easy. But yet the weight of his words carried. And so after he, this woman had been healed and Jesus had allowed her to share her story, they moved towards Jairus' house. See, I want you to remember this little phrase Fear will continually, fear is very creative at at frightening you. Fear will continually frighten you, but faith will encourage you. Why? Because faith should point us to Jesus and nothing is impossible with Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, so what you're saying is, is, regardless of what's going on in my world, just have faith. No, not quite. You need faith, but faith in the wrong place is worthless. Putting your belief, putting your faith in the wrong place is worthless. What you connect your faith to is what matters most. Who you connect your faith to is what matters most. See, I want, this is really what I want to show you today. Just going around the world for a shortcut. But I, I want you to show you, I wanted to show you, this woman had an issue of blood for how many years? 12, 12 years, the daughter was what age, the Bible puts it in brackets and everything for us just so we don't miss it, just to kind of be like, oh by the way, the daughter was 12 years old, which helps us because nothing in the Bible is by accident. God didn't make a wee mistake and didn't send it to the teacher for corrections. Like it's all there, it's all there to help us understand the glory, the majesty, the splendor of Jesus, how amazing God is. It's all there, it all points to something, you just have to dig sometimes. See, if this were a movie, I did this in the first service, I don't know if I'm gonna do it as well the second time. If this were a movie, it would go 12 years earlier, right? I mean, the first service gave me much more hype than that. Like, you guys are a hard crowd and you got a lion. Oh my days. Right, if this were a movie, it would go 12 years earlier. 12 years earlier, perhaps same hospital, same locality. Perhaps same day. Who knows? This young family walking out with a newborn baby, right? Balloons, all of this stuff that you get, clothes that the baby's never going to wear. All sorts of colors, piñatas, the whole heap, right? Going out, buzzing, getting into a car, got picked up. Oh, here we go. Going home, into the nursery. What a day. Same day. A woman, not with a whole entourage. No balloons, just a letter. Low shoulders, head down with a diagnosis. See, 12 12 really matters here. See, way back in scripture, Jacob had 12 sons, a reminder between God, the covenant between God and his people. His 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. The priestly breastplate in the Old Testament had a number of stones on it. Guess how many? Not six, 12. The first time Jesus teaches in the temple, what do you just say? 12. How many disciples I mean, 11 would have been grand. Judas could have, you know, he, I mean, you couldn't, you didn't have to name him at a sight, 12. See, in biblical numerology, 12 speaks of power and authority. Jesus went to the house of Jairus, the Bible says from verse 38, Mark 5. They came to the home of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw a commotion, people crying, wailing loudly, went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, went in where the child was, took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. See, everything, every circumstance, every middle of the night moment, every disease, every diagnosis every piece of bad news, everything that you come against, everything that comes at you in life, you can come against in the name of Jesus with your little bit of mustard seed size faith. But attach it, connect it, Place it in the power and the authority of Jesus and it will submit to him. Why? Because of what you've done. No, Jairus makes that very clear. All of what he did wasn't enough. All of what this lady had spent her money on wasn't, man's intellect wasn't enough. Nor was following all of the Hebrew law. Nor was was doing it all on your own. But when you bring a little bit of mustard size Faith into the power and the authority of Jesus. Nothing can stand against it. This is what this account is showing us. In every middle of the night moment that you find yourself in, all of it is submissive to the authority of Jesus, obedient to the power of Jesus, and boys, at the name of Jesus. When two people in the most fearful moment of their lives got near to the Lord, everything changed. Every single thing changed. Change. Jaris and his family, this woman and this woman were connected by their circumstance, but breakthrough came because of Jesus. Have you ever been in a shop or a restaurant and you're complaining, you're not happy about something, you're talking to this little person who's just about got their national insurance number, and you realize that they're not going to be able to do anything about your problem. And so maybe if you're feeling confident, you'll say that day, let me speak to your manager. Let me speak to somebody who has a little bit of authority around here. Let me speak to somebody who can do something about this problem. I want to let you know today that you don't need to come to this weaselly little person with a national insurance number. But actually you can go, let me speak to somebody with some authority over this situation in my life, over this circumstance in my life, over this problem in my life. That today, do you know who that person is? Jesus That today you can come to that person who has all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Jesus. So we can come to him today and say, you know what, Jesus, this is what I've got going on. And this is where I need your power. And this is where I need your authority. And this is what I need you to do right now in this moment in my life. I am spent. I am all out. I've been trying to fix it on my own. I have given it everything I've had. All of the self-help won't work. All of my money won't work. And so I need you. I am crawling to the helm of your garment today. I'm crawling up behind you because I feel like you're unapproachable. Or on the other way, I feel like I've done everything that I can possibly do and none of it is gonna work. I am desperate. And so today you can walk right up to Jesus. Why? Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is the one whom holds all power and all authority. Today, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Almighty One, your Deliverer, your Lord of all, your Good Shepherd, your Mighty One, your Redeemer, your Chief Cornerstone. He is power and authority. The power of Jesus always, always, always will outweigh the power of your problem. Perhaps you're like this unnamed woman. You've spent everything trying to fix yourself, and you need the power of Jesus to invade your life. Or perhaps you're like Jairus, something has come out of nowhere and you need to get to someone with some authority. Today, his name is Jesus. This is a good one for those who don't know Jesus. No, it's not. It's a good one for you. Because we can, Stephen prayed it in the last service, we can become so desensitized with the person, the power and the authority of Jesus that we feel like he is a token. He is not. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the rock of your salvation, not you, not your good works, not, what, not how well you read, not how well you pray, not how well you worship, not how much time. He is the rock of your salvation. If you didn't need him, you, if you didn't need a savior, if, if we didn't need Jesus, then we'd be like Jairus, we'd be desperate. But we have him. More importantly, he has us. Philippians 4, we read at the start, rejoice in the Lord always, I said again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because the Lord is near, those anxious moments, Those fearful moments, those chaotic moments, those crisis moments can become moments of peace because you draw even closer. Take our mustard-sized, mustard seed-sized, that's a tongue twister, faith, and attach it to the power, the authority of Jesus. Every middle of the night moment that you ever face, Maybe these guys want to come help us respond. Psalm says in Psalm 30 verse 5, His anger lasts only a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. And this little line just after it. Weeping may last through the night. But joy comes with the morning. You today you might be in the middle of a night moment. Maybe you've been in the middle of a night moment for what feels like 12 years. Today, not because of how well you've lived your life or anything like that, but today because of the power and the authority of Jesus, things can begin to shift because of him. Whether you have a spring in your step or whether you're on your knees, Jesus can cause a shift to take place. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for two categories today. Maybe we're like, some of us are like Jairus in the room or online. and Something has happened in our lives and it's affected us. Life was going well. Everything was smooth. And then all of a sudden it's been flipped on its head. now you're desperate and you need Jesus and today we can approach him because of who he is all of his power and his authority can come against whatever situation and circumstance you might find yourself in in order to bring about provision in order to bring about healing in order to bring about breakthrough perhaps you're like this unnamed woman You've been battling with an issue for some time now some sickness some struggles you've been doing it on your own and you've been trying your best to get through it now you feel all spent out today whether or not you feel like you're walking right up to Jesus or you're calling right up to Jesus you can bring a little bit of faith you feel like you have remaining and connect it, place it in the power and the authority of Jesus. And breakthrough can happen. So for every person, Father, within the reach of these words, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for breakthrough. Father, for those who need healing in the room right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would heal them. Heal them right now, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that nothing's impossible with you. And so we come with a little bit of faith, Lord God, and we place it into your power and your authority. And we ask for physical healing into every need in the name of Jesus. Father, for those of us in the room who have an ache in our hearts, we've been praying for unsaved loved ones, unsaved spouses, perhaps. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to convict Lord, that you would save, that you would deliver, that you would set free, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I pray over every situation in the same way that you spoke over that little girl. We speak over every situation that feels dead. We speak, get up in the name of Jesus. Every circumstance, every middle of the night moment that a person might find themselves in right now that feels impossible, it feels chaotic, it feels like crisis mode has been turned on. We speak, get up in the name of Jesus. Get up in the name of Jesus. We speak to every soul in the room, Lord Jesus, and online who feels apathetic and feels weary. And we speak to you, get up in the name of Jesus. That your life's not finished yet, that God has a greater purpose for you. Get up in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you minister right now all across the room? Every room that is within the reach of this voice, would you minister? Things that we perhaps aren't even aware of, Lord, I pray that you would begin to illuminate them in our lives. I pray that we would experience your love pouring in right now. Thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.